whenever hunger pains in stomachs rumble, and insatiable cravings overtake the body and brain, whenever savory smells fill the air and tempt your taste buds. This is the time to feed your cravings, partaking of Disney's delectable, foodish delights. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Lunchbox Ghost Podcast. We will quench your undying thirst and feed your hunger for all of the foodish morsels that Disney has to offer. If you weren't hungry before, you sure will be now. (laughs) Our show begins with your foodish host, the Lunchbox Ghost. Hello, foolish mortals. August is National Sandwich Month. So today, the lunchbox will be packed full of sandwiches, which we will showcase from all over Walt Disney World. Now, you may be wondering, when was the first sandwich made? Well, the earliest and first recorded recognizable form of a sandwich is the Hillel sandwich that is eaten during Jewish Passover, still today. Hillel the Elder was a famous rabbi who lived in Jerusalem during the time of King Herod in the first century, before Christ, around 110 BC, at the time of the Holy Temple when eating the Passover sacrifice, which included a Passover lamb with bitter herbs and matzo, was a part of the Passover obligations. Now, instead of eating the food separately, he started the Passover custom of combining those three foods matzah, bitter herbs, and meat from the sacrifice into sandwich form. Now that custom is still practiced today, minus the meat, but with a sweet reddish paste made of fruit, nuts, and wine symbolizing the mortar that held the building blocks made by the enslaved Israelites together. Bitter herbs symbolizing the bitterness of slavery and life's hardships, and matzo bread resembling the flatbreads which were made in haste by the ancient Israelites as they fled Egypt, symbolizing freedom. So the Hillel sandwich is really a lot like life and the freedom that we enjoy. It's a combination of bitter and sweet. Now the modern day sandwich or the modern sandwich as we know it was actually popularized in England in the year 1762 by John Montague, who was the fourth Earl of Sandwich. Now, it doesn't represent the symbolism of the Hillel Sandwich and originated under a much different set of circumstances. Legend has it, and most food historians agree, that Montague had a very substantial gambling problem that led him to spend hours on end at the card table. On one occasion, he was playing cards and did not want to take the time to leave the card table to eat a meal, so he asked for a serving of roast beef to be placed between two slices of bread and brought to the card table so that he could eat it with his hands while he continued to play cards. Now, other people, according to this account, began to order the same as sandwich, and thus, the sandwich was born. Now, a sandwich, in its basic form, is slices of meat, cheese, or other food placed between two slices of bread. It might actually be the perfect food and is perfect for packing in a lunchbox because it's portable, it's open to any interpretation, and it is as simple or as elaborate as you want it to be, as your mood permits at the time. Now, 
here with me today as my guest is my son Stokes Laird, who many of you know from the Main Street Chronicles. Hey Stokes, how you doing? Doing good, thanks for having me. Listening in on your intro there, I do think it's funny that you use the term food historian. I'm kind of wondering what it takes to get that title now. <laughs> well, you know, you are a history teacher by trade, and I guess I'm such a food lover that as my son, you've also acquired a love for food yourself. So tell the listeners what you consider to be the perfect sandwich. That's a good question there. It's definitely its own art form, I would say, making the perfect sandwich, because there are so many options. There's different types of bread, all the toppings you can put on it, different types of meats. I do like to think that I keep it pretty basic, but it still packs the good punch. So lightly toasted bread is always good. Mix that in with really whatever meat we have available in the fridge. A lot of times for us, that's turkey. And then again, whatever fresh vegetables or anything you have in there as well. Maybe some lettuce, pickles to help give it crunch. And you cannot underplay the value of your sauces. So various types of mustard go a long way. Well, that's true. Now, would you believe that Americans eat more than 300 million sandwiches a day? A day surprises me. For a second, I was about to say I would 100 percent believe that but 300 million every single day well according to pbs each american eats about 200 sandwiches a year so that averages out to about 300 million sandwiches a day if you multiply how many americans there are in this country yeah that makes sense that's a big number though well you certainly gave the listeners a long list of things to consider when you're building the perfect sandwich but sandwiches are popular all over the world. And it seems like every region has their own take or their own slant on the sandwich, which kind of led me to wonder what kind of sandwiches can you find around the World Showcase at Epcot? And before we get to that discussion, you know, a lot of the different types of sandwiches that come to mind are the panino or panini, the euro, the Cuban sandwich. You know I love a good Cuban sandwich. The cheesesteak. And the po' boy. I absolutely love a good po' boy. But probably one of the most popular sandwiches is the club sandwich. And as you know, your mother loves a good Reuben sandwich. And again, this episode is focusing on and showcasing sandwiches. Burgers, hot dogs, they are technically considered sandwiches. But I am just focusing and showcasing more traditional sandwiches. We'll have another episode for burgers. We've already had one for hot dogs. So burgers will get their own episode in the future. When you go to Epcot, you think about their signature dining. And we go to certain places and we sit down and have a meal. We never really think about just grabbing a sandwich. And a good sandwich can be a complete meal in itself. So I've never actually thought about where you can grab a sandwich around the World Showcase. And I thought that would be a good place for us to start to tell the listeners where they can just grab a sandwich if that's what they're in the mood for around the World Showcase. Yeah, sounds good. As we were kind of preparing this episode, it turns out there's a lot more options than you would think. I know I could not name one until we started doing the research for this episode. Same for me. My go-to when we're at Epcot is, for quick service, run over to the UK Pavilion and grab fish and chips. That is true. But certainly, you know, I've heard of the ham and apple sandwich. 
sandwich at the Norway Pavilion. And the bakery there does have a couple of other options for sandwiches. They have a Norwegian club, which consists of ham, turkey, bacon, Jarlsberg, and Munster cheese with fresh tomatoes, sliced red onions, and lincolnberry mayonnaise which sounds absolutely delightful. That one does sound decent. Norway is definitely one of those pavilions that I guess you could say I kind of overlook. The restaurants don't really appeal to me, or at least they haven't basically my entire life that we've been going. On the cuisine, the way it looks, and it just doesn't get a good rep, I guess. But that Norwegian club really doesn't sound that bad. Normally, we do spend some time in that bakery, but it's basically to get pastries. I never remember getting a sandwich there and never really thought about a sandwich there like you. You can also get a salmon and egg bagel there as well. But another place I've never thought about getting a sandwich, and I've never really looked at bao buns as being a sandwich, but technically they are. So in the Chinese pavilion, Nine Dragons Restaurant serves bao buns as appetizers. And of course, a bao bun is just a steamed bun, and then you fill it with whatever you want to. And of course, in the China Pavilion and Nine Dragons, they have the pork belly bow buns. And I know you're a fan of pork belly, just like your brother. Oh, big time. And this one's interesting, too, because we have, at least in the recent past, eaten at Nine Dragons. And again, this is something that we overlooked. And they also have General So's chicken bow buns. So you have a variety there. And I would recommend that anyone take advantage of that. And I can't believe we haven't done that in the past. The Italy Pavilion has a number of sandwiches, and of course, they are paninis. Panini actually means small bread or bread rolls. Panino means bread roll, and a panini is a sandwich made with Italian bread, such as ciabatta or machetta, and it's usually served warm by grilling it or toasting it. Here in the United States, we typically flatten it in a flat iron and warm it that way. So you can get a number of different paninis at Tutto Gusto Wine Cellar. Now, again, when I originally did the research for this episode, you could also get them at Tutto Italia restaurant. But the last time I looked, they weren't on the menu there. And it's due to COVID-19. As we know, some restaurants are still temporarily closed. And I think some items have been temporarily removed from the menus. I'm hoping it's temporary, but at this point, we really can't say. So there are a number of sandwiches that might have been showcased for this episode that won't be because they aren't currently on the menu. We're working our way toward the American Pavilion. There's a new restaurant there that I know you are dying to try. Yeah, you're speaking my language with this one, with the Regal Eagle getting into barbecue. I like to think that I know my barbecue here. Well, I have a feeling that you do. You're certainly a connoisseur of great barbecue, and being in North Carolina, you have some great barbecue around you. But the Regal Eagle, when I first started researching for this episode, it had two sandwiches that I would recommend anyone to try. By last look, there's only one sandwich left on the menu, and that is a sliced Texas beef brisket sandwich, which sounds amazing. Yeah, sliced beef brisket there, and I also forgot to mention it's barbecue mixed with the Muppets. You can't even get a better world than that. Well, that is true. Certainly Sam Eagle. The Regal Eagle restaurant at the American Pavilion, the Sliced Texas beef brisket sandwich is rubbed with their secret brisket rub, then slow smoked and smothered in spicy mop sauce. And then it's placed between garlic toast. My mouth is watering right now. The other sandwich that was listed was a South Carolina smoked sausage sandwich. And believe it or not, that's the one I wanted to try the most. 
I love a good smoked sausage. I love South Carolina barbecue. I love a mustard-based sauce. So I really wanted to try that one. So I hope it will make its way back on the menu. Yeah, that does sound good. Mustard-based sauce with that smoked sausage would be really good. But yeah, I've still got my eyes on that beef brisket sandwich. <laughs> so I tell you what, if they do put it back on the menu and we go together, we have to order both of them and then share. Sounds good to me. And then if we're not satisfied, we'll order two more and have share again. So we'll each have a whole sandwich of each. Oh, I don't know if that'll be necessary. We still have to walk around in the heat afterwards. Well, that's true. Unless we go in December. Another place you never really think about getting a sandwich is in the Morocco Pavilion. But they do have lamb sliders. They come with three lamb sliders on a brioche bun, cucumber dill, and mixed olives, and mint tzatziki sauce. I love tzatziki sauce, which I usually get on a euro. Yeah, and this is one that I am actually really interested to go and try, too. Because, again, we've never even eaten at Spice Road Table. But especially in the past few years, it's been getting really, really good reviews kind of all over the place, too. So while I'm not the biggest fan of lamb... This is something that does sound pretty good to me. Well, certainly the lamb will be in small portions on the sliders. And I think it's something that we definitely need to try. Sounds delicious, particularly with the tzatziki sauce. Now, certainly when you think of sandwiches, you have to think about the France Pavilion. And you just have to know that you can get sandwiches there. And of course, just like Norway, we've been in the bakery and pastry shop there numerous times. But it's always been to get pastries. But if you look at their menu, they do have a number of sandwiches, none of which I can really pronounce, but they do have different types of sandwiches with different types of bread. I know you love a good croissant. Oh, of course. Really, over the past few years, I've spent a lot of time in the French bakery, but again, it's usually there just to get sweets or a dessert, mainly because, like you said, I have a complete fear of trying to pronounce any of these names on any of the French restaurant menus. So I don't know if I've ever actually eaten inside of one of these French restaurants at the World Showcase. Well, certainly I think it's something we need to try, especially the croissant. I love a good croissant. I love the crispiness and the flakiness of it, as I know you do. Mm -hmm. And definitely makes a good bread for a sandwich. But that is a rundown of all the sandwiches that you can find around the World Showcase at Epcot. So let's look at some of the other sandwiches that you can find around the rest of Walt Disney World. You can get a good grilled chicken panini at the market at El Encompass. You can get a spicy Italian panini. And Stokes, I know you love a good Italian sandwich. Do you know what that one is filled with? Yeah, you get several different meats with that, capicola, ham. But really, to me at least, the real appeal of a panini is, like I said, a toasted sandwich. So toasting the bread goes a long way, as well as that melts the cheese in there too. And again, it just kind of creates that magic. Oh yeah, it is magic. And another one that you can find at the market at El Encompass is a roasted vegetable panini. For those that are vegetarians or for those that just don't want any meat in their sandwich. And speaking of Italian sandwiches, the Italian sandwich is actually an American submarine sandwich. In Italian-American cuisine, is prepared on a long bread roll or bun with meats such as salami or mortadella or capicola, pepperoni, and ham along with provolone, lettuce, tomato, onion, a sour pickle, green bell pepper, banana peppers, Greek olives, olive oil, salad oil, salt, and black pepper. You can add mustard. You can just fill it full of those different meats 
as many as you want, as few as you want. I just love a good Italian sandwich. And I know I've seen you eat them before. It's often cut in half to make it easier to handle. But do you know it was actually invented in Portland, Maine in the year 1903? You would think that the Italian sandwich came from New York or somewhere around there. You actually think it came from Italy. You would think that would make sense. I guess there goes my food historian card. (laughs) Well, a baker by the name of Giovanni Amato, while he was selling his bread on his street cart in Portland, Maine, received requests from the dock workers to slice his long bread rolls and add sliced meat and cheese and vegetables to them. So he did that, eventually opening his own brick-and-mortar restaurant called Amato. And I believe Amato's is still in business today around Portland. Now, do you have any idea where you can find a good Italian sandwich around Walt Disney World? Looks like there are lots of places you can find them. So here it's saying at Gasparilla Island Grill, there's a hot Italian sandwich as well as at the Artist Palette. And at Primo Piatto at the Riviera Resort, you can get the spicy Italian sandwich. Another unique sandwich, and we've already talked about the French Pavilion, the Croque Monsieur is a hot sandwich which is made with ham and cheese, and it originated in French cafes and bars as a quick snack, and it first appeared on a Paris cafe menu in the year 1910. I know you used to be able to get a Croque Monsieur at Be Our Guest restaurant, but the last time I looked, it's no longer on the menu hopefully temporarily due to COVID-19. I was going to say that seems like it would be a staple for any like French style restaurant. I had my first ever croque monsieur in France itself, and it is a basic sandwich. It's a lot of times served open-faced with just that ham and cheese on top. Basic, but again, very good. Right, and since we were talking about Primo Piatto, my last view of all the menus around Walt Disney World shows that Primo Piatto is the only place you can actually get a croque monsieur at this time. And you can also get a croque madame. And Stokes, do you know what a croque madame is? I actually do not know everything that goes into a croque madame. Well, it is simply a croque monsieur. It is eaten at breakfast because it has a fried or poached egg added to the top of it. So it's actually the breakfast version of the croque monsieur. And that sounds awesome because a fried egg on top of anything takes it to the next level every time. I knew you would think so. So if you love the croque monsieur, you definitely need to try the croque madame. I do need to check that out. And while we're talking about French sandwiches, another classic French sandwich that I enjoy is the French dip. The French dip is a hot sandwich which consists of thinly sliced roast beef, sometimes other meats, on a French roll or baguette. It's usually served plain, but a variation is to top it with Swiss cheese, onions, and a dipping container of beef broth which is produced from the cooking process, and it's called the au jus, the juice. The sandwich, again, is an American invention, with the name seeming to refer to the style of bread rather than any French origin. Because when you think of French dip, you think, okay, this came from France. No, it just refers to the French bread that's used for the sandwich itself, and of course the French dip because you dip it in the au jus. There are actually two Los Angeles restaurants that claim to be the birthplace of the French dip sandwich. And I'm not going to go into that history or that argument or all of those claims, but just know that the French dip was actually invented in Los Angeles. Now, one of the 
best places, and I would think probably the best as far as location at Walt Disney World to get a French dip is at the Edison at Disney Springs. And in Stowe, have you ever been in the Edison? I haven't. I've only seen it from the outside. We certainly discussed it in a previous episode, the Winging It episode. But it sounds like a fantastic venue. I would love to go in there sometime. And they have what they call the Chef's French Dip and Beef Au Jus, which is shaved prime rib with provolone cheese and horseradish cream sauce. And of course, then your Au Jus to dip it in. Looking at these last two sandwiches, I was thinking this as you've been talking about the French style sandwiches. So with the croque monsieur and now the French dip, the simplicity of both of those is amazing at how good they are as well. Very few ingredients go into it, but still really, really effective. Oh, definitely. And another place I would recommend getting a French dip is at Beaches and Cream Soda Shop. Again, People, when they think of beaches and cream, they think of ice cream, which is one of the best places to go to get ice cream, but it's also one of the best places to go to get a great sandwich. And one of those great sandwiches is the French dip sandwich. It's on a toasted French roll served with thinly sliced roast beef, Swiss cheese, and au jus, and it is topped with crispy fried onions. I love some good crispy fried onions. I was going to say, you said it's an American sandwich, and the crispy fried onions takes it, again, to a different American level there. (laughs) That is so true. Now, the Euro is another classic sandwich, and some people may not consider it a sandwich. They may consider it in a category all by itself, but I consider it a sandwich. You can fold it over. It's on pita bread, typically. The Euro is a sandwich which is of Greek origin, and it includes meat, tomato, onion, and yogurt sauce. The only place that I know of that you can find a Euro at Walt Disney World is at the Harambe Market at Animal King. They have a chicken Euro and a beef and lamb Euro. Now, both of those are topped on naan bread. And naan bread originates in India. And it's similar to pita bread, but it's a little bit softer. You're still going to get the same effect as an original Euro from Greece. And to me, that style of bread is perfect for visiting the parks on like a hot day. Because it's going to fill you up, but it's not going to feel super heavy on your stomach. That is so true. I've never looked at it like that. But a good Euro on that type of bread really is good for a, a hot day at the park. Moving on to other good classic sandwiches. The Reuben is certainly one of your mother's favorite sandwiches. You would think that the Reuben, considering the type of sandwich it is, again, originated in New York or maybe even Germany or somewhere in Europe. But the Reuben is named after Reuben Kulikowski, who was one of the participants in a weekly poker game that took place in the Blackstone Hotel in Omaha, Nebraska in the 1920s. Again, here we come back full circle to gambling being the source of the creation of a sandwich. It brings the world together. (laughs) Yes, it does. So, as to stay at the table, the group of gamblers needed a snack. So, Reuben also happened to own a deli, and he created the Reuben Sandwich, named for himself, for the players and brought them to the card table so the players could keep playing. Now, Reuben consists of a thick pile of corned beef, sliced thin, warm sauerkraut, melted Swiss cheese, and Russian dressing in toasted rye bread. 
which yes. seems like a bizarre combination to me when you look at it. Yes, it does. But I love a good Reuben sandwich. You can actually take it to a different level when you talk about a weird combination. In doing our research for this episode, there was a restaurant that also had a blackened fish Reuben. That is huh. something I would love to try. That one does sound interesting. But it's no longer on the menu, so we're not even going to tell you where you could have possibly gotten it. If they bring it back on the menu, we may showcase that sandwich all by itself one day. But for a traditional Reuben, again, you can go to Beaches and Cream Soda Shop, and you can go to ESPN Club, where their Reuben is sliced pastrami, sauerkraut, Thousand Island dressing, and Swiss on marble rye. Now, Stokes, you know I love a good Cuban sandwich. Yeah, we've gone to some shady places in the past so you could get one. <laughs> yes, we certainly have, and we probably will again in the future. But to me, not only is it the meats that make a good Cuban sandwich, but it's the bread. And you talked at the beginning of this episode about the importance of the bread for a particular sandwich. You know, the Reuben wouldn't taste the same on Cuban bread. To me, a Cuban sandwich does not taste the same on any other type of bread. I have been to restaurants that serve a Cuban sandwich on a regular hoagie bun, and it's just not the same. It doesn't hold the meat or the ingredients the way that Cuban bread does, and it does not give you that same taste or feel. The Cuban sandwich is a variation of a ham and cheese sandwich made with ham, with roasted pork, Swiss cheese, pickles, mustard, and it is on Cuban bread. Now, although there is some debate as to where it originated, I think everybody pretty much agrees that it did originate in Cuba, but they say it actually grew up in the state of Florida because of the immigrants from Cuba that found their way to Key West and Miami and Tampa, Florida. So Key West and Tampa kind of compete as to where the Cuban sandwich actually grew up. One interesting fact, in Tampa, sometimes the Cuban sandwich also includes salami because of the Italian population there in Tampa. And certainly the influence of the cigar factories and sugar mills but particularly the cigar factories in Key West and Tampa led to the cafes around there catering to the Cuban population that worked in the cigar factories. So the Cuban really grew up in the state of Florida. And there are a couple of places that I would recommend that our foodish mortals try a Cuban sandwich. And one is at Chef Art Smith's Homecoming. Have you had the opportunity to eat there? I haven't had the opportunity to eat there either. If Anything being on this show has made me realize all the places I need to go. Yes, there are plenty that we need to take advantage of. And the Cuban sandwich at Chef Art Smith's Homecoming really sounds like a treat. It is house-smoked pork, shaved country ham, house-made pickles, yellow mustard, and Swiss cheese pressed between slices of fresh Cuban bread served with house-made barbecue chips drizzled with icebox dressing. That entire combination just gets me excited. The pickles and mustard combination is golden. Now, another place you can get a Cuban sandwich is at the Banana Cabana pool bar, and they just serve a traditional Cuban sandwich with pulled pork, ham, Swiss cheese, pickles, and mustard, and it's served with fries. Now, 
when you really think about a sandwich, what is the number one sandwich that comes to your mind? It's got to be the club. That kind of seems like the standard one on most menus. I think pretty much every menu will have a club sandwich. And the club sandwich, of course, is a sandwich of bread, which is traditionally toasted and usually has three slices of bread. You have the top, the bottom, and then you have a middle piece. And between all those pieces, you usually put some type of cooked poultry, whether it's chicken or turkey. I think in your case, you prefer turkey, don't you? Yes, I do. Turkey is the best. And it'll include ham, usually some fried bacon, lettuce, tomato, and mayonnaise. And it's usually cut into quarters, or at least halves, but usually a traditional club is cut into to quarters. So you have four pieces, four little triangles, and it's held together with cocktail sticks. Most people think that the club sandwich actually originated in the Union Club of New York City. There are a couple of other versions of where the club sandwich originated, and all of them, again, center around country clubs or social clubs that included gambling. So like you said, that brings people together. I guess gambling and sandwiches just go together. Yeah, perfect combination there. Stokes, do you want to run down for our listeners some of the places where they can get a good club sandwich? Sure. It looks like can go back to the Edison for a hand-carved turkey club, the Plaza Restaurant, Chippendale's Cafe, and one that really interests me here is at Big River Grill and Brewing Works actually a big fan of that restaurant can be found on the boardwalk i think i've only had burgers when i've been there but looking at the club there the thing that stands out to me is they use a chipotle mayonnaise as the sauce on theirs again i love adding any type of spice to my food so that one is really interesting to me it does sound interesting and again disney springs is just the mother load for food you can go to splitsville and i know the only time we've been to splitsville we enjoyed pizza but they have a turkey club supreme which is shaved turkey miso aioli chopped lettuce tomato bacon and monster cheese garnished with a dill gherkin pickle and grape tomato. So that's their version. Now, another great place for food in general and great atmosphere is the boathouse. And you and I did some serious eating one time at the boathouse and it did not include a sandwich, but they have, of course, their yacht club club, which is roasted turkey breast, cucumber, bacon, lettuce, tomato, avocado, chipotle honey mayo, Swiss cheese, and it's on a multigrain bread. I might have to try that one out next time we go there so I don't leave hurting as bad as I did the first time. <laughs> we were hurting the first time. Now, one place I really want to try a club sandwich, I just want to try the atmosphere itself. And I can't believe we haven't done it because we are of Irish heritage and we do love a good Irish pub. But Raglan Road Irish Pub and Restaurant has two clubs that I think we should consider trying. One is the Join Our Club sandwich, which is made with Joyce Farms chicken, smoked bacon, herb roasted heirloom tomatoes, baby Jim lettuce, Dublin or cheddar, basil aioli on sourdough bread. Now, I am surprised we've never been to this restaurant before. One, like you said, because of our heritage. Two, the atmosphere does seem fun and we do like a good pub. And of course, here is a different twist on the club. They have a lobster club, which is lobster, avocado, egg, citrus mayonnaise, crispy prosciutto, and watercress 
on a multigrain loaf served with Irish chips. That's something I may have to try. See, that's one I said earlier, an egg takes anything to the next level. This one sounds a little out of my wheelhouse there. That one sounds like a little too much. <laughs> but I tell you what, if you're enjoying the join our club sandwich and I order the lobster club and they cut it in quarters, you'll try a bite, won't you? Oh, I always try anything. Well, then we'll have to do that. And speaking of lobster, I do love a good lobster. And a lobster roll is a sandwich which is native to New England. It's made of lobster meat served on a grilled hot dog style bun with the opening on the top rather than on the side. It originated as a hot dish at a restaurant named Perry's in Milford, Connecticut as early as 1929. So the lobster roll is also another sandwich I would recommend folks try. And probably the best place you can get that is still at the Boathouse. They have a main style lobster roll, which is chilled main lobster, lemon chive dressing, butter toasted split top bun served with fresh cut fries. And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a lobster roll available in the Magic Kingdom at Columbia Harbor House for quick service? Yes, there is. Or at least there used to be. The last time I checked the menu, it wasn't on there. But I have to believe when COVID-19 passes or when we get past this and things get back to normal, I have to believe you'll be able to get a lobster roll there as well. We went last summer and ate there, and I remember seeing lobster roll on the menu, but that does sound like one that would be hit by COVID. And if you are at the Magic Kingdom, I would recommend you stop in Columbia Harbor House to eat, period, but also for a lobster roll. Now, another classic sandwich that, again, was invented here in the United States is the cheesesteak. It is a sandwich made from thinly sliced pieces of beefsteak, and it's typically also served or includes grilled peppers and onions and melted cheese served on a long hoagie roll. It was invented in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in the 1930s by Pat and Harry Olivieri, who originally owned a hot dog stand. And on one occasion, they decided to make a new sandwich using chopped beef and grilled onions. And while Pat was eating the sandwich, a cab driver stopped and saw him eating the sandwich and requested one for himself. After eating it, the cab driver suggested they quit making hot dogs and focus on that new sandwich instead. So they began selling this variation of steak sandwiches at their hot dog stand near South Philadelphia's Italian market. And they became so popular that Pat opened up his own restaurant, which still operates today as Pat's King of Steaks. The sandwich was originally prepared without cheese. And Olivieri said that provolone cheese was first added by the manager at another location. Location. And as you know today, it is typically served with cheese, grilled onions, grilled peppers. Sometimes people put mushrooms on them. I've seen different versions such as a Southwest cheesesteak that may have pepper jack cheese and jalapenos on it. But anyway you go, a good cheesesteak sandwich is worth having anytime. I know the big argument with it too is, do you use cheese whiz or provolone with it? Well, that is a great argument. I mean, I've had it both ways and I love it both ways. I've had it both ways, but it seems like, I guess, outside of Pennsylvania, most places, most restaurants that you find a cheesesteak is usually going to be using provolone. True. I think most people in Philadelphia or in Pennsylvania, like you said, use cheese whiz. I may be wrong. That is a huge debate. So any idea where our foodish mortals can get a good cheesesteak at Walt Disney World? Well, similar to the club, you can go back to Plaza Restaurant and find kind of your standard cheesesteak sandwich there. And also, same thing, a standard-looking cheesesteak at the Artist Palette. Now, a great take on the cheesesteak 
is at Sasagula Floatworks and Food Factory. They have a Creole cheesesteak po' boy, which is shaved steak, onions, banana peppers, and cheese on a soft roll served with french fries and coleslaw. But again, it's kind of a combination of two different types of sandwiches, a cheese steak and a po' boy. I love a good po' boy, and a po' boy is an iconic New Orleans sandwich. It got its name during a streetcar worker strike during the Great Depression. Two brothers, who were once streetcar operators themselves, owned a sandwich shop and promised to feed any striking worker that was down on his luck for free. So whenever a hungry striker walked into the shop, the clerks would yell, Here comes another po' boy, and the name stuck. So you can certainly get a Creole cheesesteak po' boy at Sasagula Floatworks and Food Factory, but you can also get a good shrimp po' boy. Now, another one of my favorite places to eat is House of Blues. And I know, Stokes, we've been there at different times, and you like it sometimes better than others. You may not even like it on Sundays when, when we've gone before for the gospel brunch. But you were kind of young then. You may like it more now than you did then. Food's always good. That's what matters. <laughs> well, at the House of Blues, you can get a shrimp po' boy, which is fried Cajun shrimp dressed with seasoned mayo, lettuce, dill pickle chips, and tomatoes served on French bread. Now, you can also get a fried catfish sandwich. And I mention it, it's not a po' boy. You may actually be able to ask them to put that on a po' boy for you. But when I eat a po' boy, I typically go for a fried catfish or a blackened catfish po' boy. But in any event, they do have a fried catfish sandwich, which you can also get blackened if you want to. The fried catfish is cornmeal crusted catfish with remoulade slaw, dill pickle chips, buffalo aioli on a brioche bun. And again, you can get that blackened instead of fried if you choose to have it that way. Have you had a catfish po' boy, Stokes? I think I've usually stick to fried shrimp po' boys. Well, you can't go wrong either way. Now, when we're talking about sandwiches, in today's time, there's somewhat of a, a chicken sandwich war. And I'm not going to mention the different restaurants that are competing for business outside of Walt Disney World for your chicken sandwich cravings. But I do want to mention some places within Walt Disney World where you can get a good chicken sandwich. So you definitely need to try Guy Fieri's restaurant, Chicken Guy. He has a number of sandwiches there, which all include, I believe, two chicken tenders, which are crispy fried. You can get them grilled if you choose. But here, since the main chicken sandwich war involves fried chicken sandwiches, I'm just going to concentrate on fried chicken sandwiches. So at Chicken Guy, you can get a chicken sandwich, which will include two crispy fried chicken tenders about five different ways. And Stokes, you want to tell the foodish mortals the different ways you can get a, a fried chicken sandwich at Chicken Guy? Sure. One, you can get it. It's basically, like you said, chicken tenders or what they're going to be putting on there. So the first one being called the Sauce Boss is kind of standard two chicken tenders on a sandwich with your basic dressing up there of lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle. But the kicker with really a lot of these and like the real drawed chicken guy is going to be the signature sauces. So on the Sauce Boss sandwich, you get your choice of any two of the signature sauces. The Big Bite, B-L-A-T, would include, again, your chicken tenders, crispy smoked bacon, lettuce, avocado cream, tomatoes, and buttermilk ranch. Next, you'd have the CG Classic, which again includes your chicken tenders, lettuce, tomato, onion, pickle, cheddar, and the special sauce, which again is like the house sauce there at Chicken Guy. There's a Southwestern, 
So pepper jack cheese, again, the special sauce, avocado crema, cumin, lime, mojo, charred corn, roasted peppers, black beans, lettuce, tomatoes, and crispy tortilla strips. There's a lot going on in that sandwich. And finally, you've got the bourbon brown sugar barbecue, which includes pepper jack, bourbon brown sugar barbecue sauce, special sauce, slaw, pickles, and that comes with a side of chips. Now, Chicken Guy is located at Disney Springs, so while we're there, I want to take our foodish mortals back to Chef Art Smith's homecoming, where you can get a fried chicken sandwich, which is buttermilk brine for 24 hours, and hand-battered, dressed with hot sauce, aioli, iceberg lettuce, tomato, and bread and butter pickles. And again, that is served with house-made barbecue chips drizzled with icebox dressing. I have to imagine it being buttermilk brine for 24 hours, that has to be a wonderful sandwich. I was going to say, just listening to it, I'm sitting here nodding my head because that's your standard chicken sandwich right there, and that's all you need. Yes, it is. Now, talking about a brined sandwich, you can go to Cabana Bar and Beach Club where they have a pickle brined chicken that includes smoked red cabbage slaw, Dijon mustard, and challah bread. That's probably a pretty good combination in itself, and that's why I recommend it for our foodish mortals. Stokes, take the foodish mortals back to one of your favorite places, City Works Eatery and Poorhouse. There again, they have fried chicken sandwich, which is buttermilk breaded chicken, spicy bread and butter pickles, Carolina mustard barbecue sauce, shredded iceberg lettuce on a brioche bun. Again, kind of a standard chicken sandwich there. Those bread and butter pickles kind of make the sandwich for you there. The mixture of that sweetness, with the crunchiness and I guess savory part of the chicken, magic. And I think the Carolina mustard barbecue sauce just puts it over the top. Oh, absolutely. And while we're at it, I know you're such a fan of barbecue. Have you eaten at the Polite Pig yet? I hate to admit that I haven't. I walk past it and smell it and see it every time we go to Disney Springs and haven't been there yet. I see it has a fried chicken sandwich. I can't imagine eating one of those there and passing up all that barbecue, though. Well, I can't either, but I wanted to include it for our listeners, for our foodish mortals, because we're talking about a chicken sandwich war, and to me... You have to include that in the competition for the fried chicken sandwich. It's sweet and smoky barbecue with Duke's mayo, pickles, and coleslaw. Now, finally, when we're talking about fishing for a fried chicken sandwich, due to our Irish heritage, I want to take the foodish mortals to Cook's of Dublin, where you can get two different fried chicken sandwiches. One is called the Marvel. It is a fried chicken sandwich with pickled red onions and bacon jam. Or you can get the Brave, which is buffalo-tossed fried chicken sandwich with cashew blue Irish cheese. I'm surprised to see, too, that that's the first buffalo chicken sandwich that we've seen. I mean, I guess you could technically make your own at Chicken Guy if you chose buffalo sauce on the sauce boss sandwich. But this is the first out-and-out buffalo chicken sandwich we've seen. Yes, that's true. So, well, that gets all of the competitors for the chicken sandwich wars. There are a couple of other different types of sandwiches I want to mention before we move on and wrap up the sandwich showcase. Being from the South and from Alabama, I love fried green tomatoes. And you can get a fried green tomato sandwich at Rosie's All-American Cafe at Disney Studios. It's fried green tomatoes topped with jalapeno ranch dressing, pepper jack, tomatoes, and topped with arugula, and it's served on a ciabatta bread. 
Yeah, this has actually become my go-to lunch at Hollywood Studios. One, because it's easy to access. There's never going to be a long line, especially with mobile ordering. And two, it's kind of right there on Sunset where all of those like smaller quick service restaurants are. So my wife, for example, can go get something else because she might not be interested in the fried green tomato sandwich. It's real easy to kind of split up your orders that way. But this is also just perfect. It's a nice light lunch and incredibly delicious. It sounds incredibly delicious. And I'm definitely going to have to try it. I'm glad you have. Another place you can get a fried green tomato sandwich is Cabana Bar and Beach Club. They have their Arkansas BLT, which is fried green heirloom tomatoes, applewood smoked bacon, and pimento cheese and iceberg lettuce. To me, the pimento cheese and the applewood smoked bacon has to take that over the top. That's the South on a sandwich right there. <laughs> exactly. The South in your mouth on a sandwich. Okay, Stokes, one sandwich I think we should mention for this episode since we are showcasing sandwiches is the waffle sandwich at Sleepy Hollow in the Magic Kingdom. And I know you've had a waffle sandwich, so describe it for our foodish mortals. Yeah, so at Sleepy Hollow, there's actually two waffle sandwiches that you can get. One is the fresh fruit waffle sandwich, which includes chocolate hazelnut spread and variation of fruit. I think like strawberries, bananas, blueberries. But the one that I've had before and actually tried is the sweet and spicy chicken waffle sandwich because anytime you get spicy chicken on your menu you've already won a customer and me there so i definitely had to check that thing out and it is what it is it's a you know piece of sweet and spicy chicken folded up in a waffle but again that is a magical combination it is delicious the spice isn't overbearing it's really not that bad at all and the sweetness it is kind of like a, a glazed sauce on there so almost like a honey style sweetness to it as well and then mix that in with a warm waffle and it's perfect. And as you did mention, it is a regular size waffle, which is folded over with the ingredients inside. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. And they make that waffle fresh right there in front of you. Wow. Wish I had one of those right now. Okay. There are a couple more restaurants I want to highlight or showcase before we wrap everything up. And one is a restaurant I haven't tried. This shelf started with a food truck. Pepe by Jose Andres. He has a restaurant at Disney Springs on Westside. It serves Spanish sandwiches. And if you go to the Walt Disney World website and you go to his restaurant and you look at the pictures of those sandwiches, they are the most incredible looking sandwiches I have ever seen. He serves a Pepito Panera, which is a flat iron steak sandwich with caramelized onion, cheese, mayonnaise, and roasted green peppers on pan de cristal. Now that is a bread that is so thin and crispy that it has to just make that sandwich. I love a good, thin, crispy bread. And looking at the pictures of that sandwich, it just amazes me. And I just am dying to try one of those sandwiches. Yeah, listening to that description, we've talked about all of these sandwiches all across property. This is the first time I'm starting to feel a little bit hungry. <laughs> well, he has some other amazing sandwiches. Another type of sandwich being a bikini. And of course, when you think of a bikini, you think of a two-piece swimsuit. But the bikini is actually the name of that sandwich comes from the Bikini Concert Hall in Barcelona, Spain, where the vendors there have been selling pressed 
ham and cheese sandwiches to late night revelers and concert goers for years. So he serves that pressed grilled ham and cheese sandwich or just a grilled cheese sandwich. So the bikini is on that menu. And you know, what's better than a good grilled cheese or a good grilled ham and cheese? When I think of bikini now, I'll be thinking of a sandwich instead of a two-piece bathing suit. Okay, maybe not. Now, their, their final sandwich that I want to showcase is the Super Flauta or the Serrano y Manchego Flauta, which is Serrano ham, Manchego cheese, and tomato fresco on flauta bread, which is a type of a French bread loaf similar to a baguette, but it, again, is much thinner, similar to the, the Pan de Cristal. So I think the bread at this restaurant probably makes the sandwiches, but I want to try all of those. They all sound pretty good there. Okay, Stokes, I'm going to leave the final restaurant showcase to you because I know it is one of your favorite restaurants. And we're circling back to the creator of the modern day sandwich as we know it. And that is John Montague, the fourth Earl of Sandwich. And take it away. All right, this is the one I've really been waiting for. It's become a habit here in my family, at least. We wake up whenever we're taking our trips down there to Orlando. We'll wake up at four o'clock in the morning and leave. It's about an eight hour drive from where we live. First thing we do is drive straight to Disney Springs, get out and go straight to Earl of Sandwich for lunch. So we try to time the start of our vacation to end up at Earl of Sandwich as the first thing that we do. And we've been doing that for over four Four years now. Now, certainly, the Earl of Sandwich is a tribute to the legacy of John Montague, the Earl of Sandwich, and was actually a chain of restaurants that was opened by the Earl of Sandwich's great, 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 great grandson, Orlando Montague. So tell our foolish mortals the different types of sandwiches they can find at the Earl of Sandwich. So it's actually a really good mix. You have a lot of kind of your standard fare as well as some specialty sandwiches that I feel like really take them to the next level. So you have one that is called the Full Montague and Obviously, that's a callback there. So the history that you were giving us. That one's kind of your roasted beef, turkey, Swiss, cheddar, lettuce, and tomato. You have a tuna melt. You have the original 1762, which is the ultimate callback to the poker game that was being played where he just wanted some roast beef between two pieces of bread. Exactly. Uh, so the original 1762 is just roasted beef, cheddar, and horseradish sauce on bread there. So again, very basic. You have your basic club, but where your specialty sandwiches come in here is, one, there's a Hawaiian barbecue, which is grilled chicken, ham, Swiss, pineapple, and barbecue sauce. And the one that I feel like really takes the cake is the holiday turkey sandwich. And that's basically Thanksgiving on a sandwich. Turkey, cornbread stuffing, gravy, cranberry sauce, and mayonnaise. Sounds bizarre, but I would call that best sandwich I've ever had. I've had that as well, and it is Thanksgiving on a sandwich. I love the combination, especially with the cornbread dressing and cranberry sauce. There you go. And like I said, this is how I start off every one of my vacations is going straight to Earl of Sandwich and grabbing one of these bad boys. Now, certainly we've ended some of our vacations as a family with the Earl of Sandwich. You know how I am. I always love to eat right before we leave. Sometimes I even get stuff to go so we can eat it later in the car as well. But I do remember on one occasion 
our last stop, we specifically went to Disney Springs, which was downtown Disney at that time, and went to the Earl of Sandwich so we could grab a sandwich before we hit the road. Mm -hmm. And believe that was for breakfast, correct? Well, no, that was a different occasion. We went for lunch as we were leaving, but the occasion you're thinking of is when you and I and Rich went down for your bachelor party. We got up one morning and wanted to do everything we could. You know, we made the use of every moment we were there. We went to Disney Springs, which again was downtown Disney at that time. And we got there so early, nothing else was open. So we went to the Earl of Sandwich to get a breakfast sandwich. And do you remember Rich's reaction to the breakfast sandwich that he had? I do not. I think he was surprised at how good the sandwich was and could not believe it. He was so excited. You know, Rich isn't really a breakfast person. But no. He loved that sandwich so much that he has continued to talk about it and want to go back there for breakfast just to get that breakfast sandwich, which I believe was bacon, egg, and cheese on a bun. I forget which type bun, but yes. it was... I've actually been back for breakfast there multiple times. I've been to the breakfast at the one in downtown Disney at Disneyland while it was still open. I've also been known, which this is dangerous to go at breakfast because the line isn't as long. I've been known to get back in line and get a second breakfast sandwich after I finish the first one. So it is smarter to go when it is busier because you're going to want more than one. Well, certainly we were concentrating in this episode on your typical sandwich for lunch or dinner or a snack. We have a future episode coming up that focuses on breakfast. And that's one reason we haven't mentioned breakfast sandwiches in this episode. But at Earl of Sandwich, I would definitely recommend going there for breakfast and having their breakfast sandwich. Yeah, and if you go at the right time, try to hit that transition between breakfast and lunch. You can have breakfast and then, like I said, get back in line and grab a lunch sandwich. It's perfect. That sounds like the perfect way to do it. And I tell you, a perfect day to do it would be on National Sandwich Day. I know this is National Sandwich Month, but November the 3rd is National Sandwich Day. Do you know why November 3rd is National Sandwich Day? No, why is November 3rd National Sandwich Day? That is the birthday of the Earl of Sandwich. So please, all of you foodish mortals, if you're in the area on November the 3rd, go have a sandwich at the Earl of Sandwich, whether it be for breakfast, for lunch, or right at the transition period and have one of each. So that wraps up our sandwich showcase. But before we sign off, Stokes, I want to ask you to do one thing, and that is pack a lunchbox with the one sandwich that you think is a must for our foodish mortals to try. Well, I think you know exactly where I'm going to go for this one, and that is right back to Earl of Sandwich for the Holiday Turkey Sandwich. It's one that some people might be scared to try because it does sound bizarre. Like I said, Thanksgiving on a sandwich sounds like it'd be heavy too. It's really not. But mixing all of those flavors and textures even together sounds weird, but it just works. It's delicious. It's the best sandwich possible. I have to agree. Before I tried it, I did have in my head that that was such a weird combination and cornbread dressing on bread just didn't sound right to me. But when I took the first bite of that sandwich, wow, it was so unbelievable. I could not wait to finish it and really wanted another one, but I didn't want to hurt myself. So I have to agree. Everybody needs to try the holiday sandwich at the Earl of Sandwich. Well, thank you, Stokes, for being my guest. 
on this episode of the Lunchbox Ghost. Yeah, thank you for having me. Never knew there was so much to learn about sandwiches. <laughs> well, we have certainly covered a lot in this episode. Thank you, foodish mortals, for joining us as we showcased some of the best sandwiches around Walt Disney World. Please tune in next time to see what the Lunchbox has for you. I am dying to have you. Ah, there you are. And just in time. There's a little matter I forgot to mention. Beware of lingering hunger for Disney's culinary craving. <laughs> Hurry back. Hurry back. Be sure to bring your appetite. Make final arrangements now to join us next time for more foodish morsels. We're dying to have you. If you would like to join our jamboree, be sure to like, share, comment, and rate the Lunchbox Ghost on all of your favorite social media and podcast platforms. Hurry over as we would love your company. Now, if this episode has given you hunger pains... Be on the lookout for our blog to discover more delectable delights. You've been listening to the Lunchbox Ghost Podcast, part of the Imagination Radio Network and a BRS production. Well, do the books say how big a leprechaun may be? Oh, well, um, uh, well, could I carry one back in a shoebox? That is, if I cut air holes in the top. Well, Faith, I don't know. But here's a thing now that may give us out of Eston. Now, these were sent in by a Mrs. McQuaid of County Cork. A real leprechaun's coat? Yes, surely. And a hat? And a hat. No doubt she was a bit careless where she threw her wash water. She found the wee jacket and cabine laid out on a furze bush to dry. There you are now. The man who wore them was just under two foot tall. You could easy carry them in your valise case. My grandfather described them as knee-high to a mortal. May God bless him for an honest man.